Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Now, building digital trust has the potential to unleash, get this, not just millions, not billions, but trillions of dollars in economic growth. In fact, a 5% increase in digital trust is associated with an average increase in GDP per capita of 3,000 US dollars. That's according to a joint study by CallSign and the Center for Economics and Business Research. The findings are actually coming at a critical time for the global economy, with economic slowdowns occurring all over the world. To tell us more, Namrata Jolly joins us. She is APAC General Manager at Call Sign. And we're also going to be finding out more about their report, which is the Value of Digital Trust Index. Hi, Namrata. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Bharti. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so this study has revealed for the first time an economic value to building digital trust. But Namrata, I'd like to know, first of all, how you defined digital trust. Uh, absolutely, Bharti. In in terms of digital trust, it is really the confidence that consumers place in the use of the online services and products that they have access to. So what so, aspects exactly are we talking about here? What Are we talking just about privacy and security or is there more to it? Yes, we are absolutely talking about privacy and security, but also very importantly, we are talking about being able to uniquely identify whom we are interacting with online and whether that is a peer-to-peer kind of an interaction or whether that's an interaction with your bank or a retailer. Being able to identify without doubt, you know, the person whom we are interacting with on a digital channel. Mm. But considering we've been seeing a lot of digital scams lately, how has digital trust really been affected? Uh, You're absolutely right. There has been a huge impact to digital trust. But let me share with you how we are quantifying the GDP value of digital trust. And then we can go into that a little bit more. So our headline statistic is that if we increase digital trust by one percentage point, we increase the GDP per capita by 596 US dollars. That can be hard to imagine. And when you apply that to an economy, the wealth created is pretty huge. So when we talk about the GDP per capita, this isn't just about our earning potential, but this is about how individuals like you and I create wealth around us, generating more taxes, meaning governments can invest more in our public services and so on. Mm. And therefore, this is very, very critical. What are the markers of that economic benefit? So you said that... Digital trust and all its various aspects are quantifiable, right? So illustrate for me how exactly you quantify it. Yeah, so we we have looked at quite a few different factors. For example, first of all, uh, in APAC, we have had, we have seen consumers, not just APAC, but across Western markets as well, talk about the extent to which they have either been defrauded, so have experienced online data breaches, Mm. The other one would be the understanding from the consumer's perspective about transparency when they use these digital services. And that talks totally to the kind of processes, their understanding of how their data is being used, and therefore the ethics involved as well. So these are some of the factors that have been used to quantify uh, digital trust. Yeah, so once you have all of that in place, there is an economic benefit. That's what you're saying, right? That's right. Okay, so illustrate that for me. How does all of this benefit businesses and governments? That's right. So um, 
as i have briefly mentioned a 1 percentage point increase in digital trust uh, can result in an increase in gdp per capita of 596 dollars so if you look at a market like singapore uh, with our population here at a 1 percentage increase in digital trust that would translate into almost 3.4 billion dollar increase in uh, gdp So maybe give me an example of how this can bring the economic benefit that you're talking about. So illustrate that for me. So if a population has digital trust, how do they power businesses more? How do they power the governments more? Yeah, so first of all, uh, because economies are online more than ever before and are continuing to grow, so this also continues to grow societal and economic wealth. And secondly, the very important thing is that uh, one of the other factors is the ability to ensure that we are creating a secure digital world. And this is through the peer to peer interactions whether it is banking whether it is on online retailers and so on every transaction that is being conducted where we are ensuring that we know uniquely whom we are interacting with and have a cap on online crime and fraud results in this benefit that we are talking about okay so considering that we have been seeing a lot of data breaches we have been seeing scams and there have been also a lot of concerns about how businesses are using our data in their marketing plans and their marketing frameworks what is the state of digital trust at this point so bharti what we have seen very interestingly is that there does exist um, digital trust gap across economies So, for example, if you look at the um, non-Western markets, APAC, South Africa, and so on, we are seeing positive digital trust gaps. And what this means is, we are seeing uh, populations and consumers place higher trust in digital services than in societal trust, which is than in the physical world and physical interactions. Mm. While in the Western world, we are seeing a negative digital trust gap, where these are populations who are seeing much higher uh, data breaches and uh, privacy related concerns than what has been seen across APAC so they are seeing a much lower or therefore a negative digital trust gap how would point. you explain the reasons for the difference here yeah so uh, let me explain so like i said first of all digital trust is the confidence right that we have in people processes mm. and technology to secure our world yeah so uh, for for the apac market we have seen a huge acceleration of digital services during the pandemic right and while we have also seen fraud the kind of fraud that the western markets have seen has not been as high as what is being seen in apac so from that perspective apac actually has a positive leverage um, in the digital trust index today but at the same time that is it's also very important to ensure that the kind of frauds that are being seen today as well as the uh, concerns that consumers have on the use of their data on whether organizations are behaving ethically and so on mm. are addressed because these are elements that will ultimately degrade trust online which would damage digital eco- our digital economy and we wouldn't want that happening so at the core of this problem are technologies being used some of which are totally inadequate to securely identify the people who are whom we are interacting with which is why fraud is growing and the other one would be creating a secure digital world and this is something that consumers have told us as a part of this research and survey that they would like governments to spearhead um you know this action mm, mm. Uh, and at the same time they do also place huge trust in the financial services industry i mean as we all know uh, you and i as well as all consumers we've leveraged we've always looked at banks to looking after our money and we interact with our banks 
um, daily. So this is not surprising. So there needs to be a partnership between governments to make sure accountability is being built into the online world, just like it is in our physical world where there are consequences, but also being able to work with businesses to make sure consumers are protected. Now with Web3 and the metaverse, how might digital trust be affected as we move forward? Data, ethics, privacy, security, all of these will be further affected, won't they? I think, again, this comes back to the two points. One is, first of all, being able to uniquely identify, and at call sign, we strongly believe in this, a lot of the frauds or the scams that take place, the breach of uh, privacy is also because the digital identity system is not truly robust enough. So this is a very fundamental issue where there is the need to ensure that we can identify uniquely who it is that we are interacting with online. And of course, like you said, secondly, very important, the implementation of robust processes um, as well as technologies to make sure that any kind of um, you know, methodologies that are being used are not breaching privacy and which would help us stop fraud and keep consumer at uh, front and center of these businesses. Well, Web3 and decentralization is expected to help with that. But we always think, you know, businesses and brands are going to find a way around that as well. So it depends, I guess, on your level of trust, your personal level of trust. But the fact is that the digital economy is expected to grow to 20.8 trillion US dollars by 2025. Conversely, the cost of online crime is 10.5 trillion US dollars. I guess there's that to examine and reconcile as well. How would one regulate a rapidly growing digital economy? Yeah, I'm absolutely right. Without necessarily going into regulation, I can say that a decrease in online crime can be through the implementation of new technologies, dispensing with old analog methods to verify and uniquely authenticate customers. And in Singapore and in other countries in the APAC region, some of the common frauds that we've seen recently have been through the compromise of SMS OTPs, uh, there's been account takeovers and uh, you know various other uh, frauds. So by uh, coming back, I would like to highlight implementing a robust digital identity technology rather than you know taking old methods like PINs, passcodes, which do not necessarily identify a consumer on their own. Mm. But we should be able to stop this fraud. So imagine when you input your password and username into your bank, uh, you know, web banking portal or mobile app to log in. How does your bank really know it's you, right? A fraudster who has access to your username and password also looks like you. If we imagine using our own physical unique identity, we could stop fraud in its tracks. And this is where at CallSign we talk about behavior biometrics, such as the way you swipe your phone which is totally unique to you because it's about the way you use your muscles and it's your muscle memory, which is inherent in you alone. And it's also privacy preserving, you know, unlike facial recognition and it's frictionless, meaning it doesn't add another step to, uh, you know, have consumers access your service. So we come back to being able to identify each other beyond doubt. What is the main lesson for businesses? I know you mentioned governments and how people expect governments to be spearheading a lot of these initiatives. But considering that all of this could also bring benefits to businesses for sure, what exactly should businesses be doing right now? A lot of them seem, not a lot of them, I'm generalizing here, but some of them are quite lax about even basic things like cybersecurity. Yeah, I think businesses absolutely need to uh, up the ant on ensuring that they are keeping their consumers safe, putting in place technologies that help them identify uniquely their consumer and therefore are not allowing for fraudsters to be able to take 
you know, utilize or compromise vulnerabilities that exist in their system. And this is very important from a business's standpoint because this is about the reputation of the business as well. If I as a customer uh, don't feel safe using a particular service because either I've been defrauded before or I've heard of my friends who have had a bad experience, then it's highly unlikely that I'm going to use that service again. So uh, there is a huge impact to businesses if they don't up the ant on uh, ensuring they're keeping their customers safe because it's very important to remember that fraudsters are always trying to ensure they are one step ahead of the curve on, uh, you know, the kind of methodologies and uh, processes and systems that businesses are using and uh, are trying to find these vulnerabilities all the time and they operate globally. So I think very, very important for businesses to be uh, to take this on uh, front and center. Right. After all, there is a clear business case for it, isn't there? Thank you very much for that, Namrata. Namrata Jolly, APEC General Manager at CallSign. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.